Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, and we take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. You can always join us live each Sunday morning at 8.30, 9.45, or 11 a.m. at our Rock Spring, Georgia campus, or at 11 a.m. at our Rossville, Georgia campus, which is just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Hey, would you take your Bibles and turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. I started a sermon series uh, last week that I'll do through Christmas called The Gift. And over that time, we're looking at the gifts that God has given us. And we're really looking at the triune God today. We're looking at the gift of the Father. Next week, we'll look at the gift of the Holy Spirit. Last week, we looked at the kind of an overarching message, the gift of love. And so today, I mean the gift of life. And so today I want us to look at the gift of love, 1 John chapter 4. I want to spend a few minutes talking about the Heavenly Father's love for us and what a gift it is at Christmas time. I don't know if you saw this in 2017, but it was a viral Craigslist uh, ad from 2017. And it was a bunch of 20-something-year-old guys who were advertising for a generic father for a backyard barbecue. And the ad said, while most of us know how to grill, none of us are prepared to fulfill the role of barbecue dad. And they went on to list what you needed in order to be barbecue dad. For example, you knew had, you had to know how to grill hamburgers and hot dogs. You had to call everyone there by nicknames such as big guy, chief, sport, and champ, and etc. You had to talk about dad things like lawnmowers, how to build a deck, and Jimmy Buffett. You had to have 18 years experience as a dad. You had to have 10 years experience as a, a griller, and they preferred your name to be Bill, Randy, or Dave. And it paid nothing, but you got all the hamburgers and hot dogs you could eat. After the ad went viral and they were interviewed by a local television station, their hope was that Bill Murray would respond to the ad. And much to their surprise, he did not. So they just had to go with some guy named Dave. But that's, that's how desperately that we are looking for a father's love, that we are looking for that unconditional love that we are willing to advertise for a generic father. Yet God, our heavenly father, has been there all along with the gift of love. And what happens is at Christmas time, we often forget while all of our focus is on a baby in a manger and rightfully should be, we forget that it was the father's gift of love at Christmas time that sent him there. It was the father's gift of love toward us that we're even celebrating Christmas. And that, that word gift of love really confuses us because we are in a place in life where we don't understand love given to us. We don't understand love we're supposed to give out. And the word love just confuses us in general. And so John in the book of first John in a letter tries to clarify not just the father's gift of love, but the gift of love in general. So I want to do that today. So would you stand with me as we honor God's word by reading it in first John chapter four, 
And we'll start reading in verse number seven. There's no way I can preach all this. I realized this week there's a whole sermon series in this passage, and I'm just going to pick out some highlights and preach one sermon on it today. But look in verse number seven. Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Verse nine, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us his, of his spirit. We have seen and we testify that the father has sent his son as the world savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe that the love, the love that God has for us because God is love and the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. Verse 17, in this love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this commandment from him. The one who loves God must also love God his brother and sister. Thank you. You may be seated. Already in this epistle, John has talked about love quite a bit. He's talked about love in some of the uh, strongest possible terms. For example, in chapter two, John has told us that love is a commandment for the believer, that the believer in this new Uh, reality that we find ourselves in of God living in us and the spirit living in us in this new reality of our old world has passed away and the new world is coming to us in that reality that love is not an option. Love is a commandment. And he goes on in chapter three to tell us that not, not just love in general, but specifically loving one another. And then he picks up that theme in chapter four again, and he begins to tell us about how God is love. And if we want to be like God, we'll be known like God by the way we love one another. And then he tells us how we are to love one another and how we are to practice love. And in all of those verses, all 15 of those verses, there's just so much about love, but I want to specifically drill down on at Christmas time, this gift of love. And I, I want to tell you three things that we learn. And there's so much there, but let me tell you three, th- three things we learn about the gift of love. Number one is this, that God loves you no matter what. Here's what he said in verse eight, that the one who does not love, duh, uh, does not love, does not know God because why? God is love. Now I want to tell you that the word love is very subjective. Like in our English language, we use the word love for all kinds of things. For example, I I can tell you that I love uh, hot dogs with mustard and, and, and onions on it. And I can say the word love. I love hot dogs that way. I can say to you, I love pizza. 
I specifically love Chicago style deep dish pizza. I was in Chicago this week. I, I flew there for an overnight trip. I was speaking at a conference at Wheaton College this week. And so I was, I was there and I flew into Chicago on Thursday morning and, and I had a, uh, a, 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 here's what my day was like. I had a lunch appointment with the group and then stuff all day and then a dinner appointment with the group. And then I was leaving for the airport early the next morning. It dawned on me when my plane landed, I was not gonna have an opportunity to eat where I wanted to eat. Where I want to eat in Chicago is a pizza place called Lou Malnati's Pizza. Lou Malnati's to me has the greatest Chicago deep dish pizza. They order it for you like they don't pre-make them. When you order pizza, they say, okay, it's going to be 30 to 40 minutes. And you're fine with that. That's no problem at all. It gives your mouth 30 minutes to salivate as you're waiting on it to come out. When my family flew me to Chicago overnight for my 50th birthday, I... Shocking, I know, I'm 50. you would never have guessed I was 50, I know that, and, but I, I am. And so they flew me there, man, we went straight to Lou Malnati's because it is so good. And so I had a luncheon to go to and I knew I wasn't gonna get, and the luncheon was not Lou Malnati's, it was Chick-fil-A. I mean, I love the Baptist bird and all, but I can get that anytime I wanna get it. And so I did what I shouldn't have done, but I'm glad I did. And on my way to Wheaton College in Naperville, Illinois, I my favorite Lou Malnati's restaurant. I tell you where to park and tell you where, to, where it is. I just, I just, I blew off my luncheon and I ate a pizza by myself at Lou Malnati's because I love, it has a buttered crust. Did y'all hear that? A buttered crust. You can see the butter. You can taste the butter. It is awesome. And listen, if you'll go online and search Lou Malnati's with a T, they will ship one to your house and you will understand what I'm talking about. It's so good. I love, I love pizza. I love my wife. <laughs> See, it doesn't have the same effect, does it? I mean, like, I mean, I love my wife. I met my wife when she was 15 years old. I was 16 years old. I was at a grocery store called ShopRite in Chatsworth, Georgia. I saw her for the first time through the back door of ShopRite. I fell in love. Two weeks later, I told her I was going to marry her and I loved her. He said, you moved quickly. I did. Didn't want her to get her way. I love my wife. I love God. And when you put all those things together, the word love doesn't seem like the right word. Like, I love pizza. I love my wife. Should not be the same word. I love hot dogs. I love God. We kind of got to go, we kind of got to know what love means. And in verse number uh, eight, when you see in your Bible that God is love, well, is he hot dog love or is he pizza love or is he, what kind of love is he? And we dig into the Bible and a little bit of history this morning. The Greeks had multiple words for love, but four primary words, four, these four words would get you by. The four words the Greeks used for love, well, the first one was the word eros. Eros is where we get our English word erotic from. It is a romantic or an erotic love. It is a love of passion. It, it absorbs itself into the body and into the mind. It is a, an emotional love that's based on body chemistry between two people. But the basic idea of this kind of love is self-satisfaction. Get this, though Eros is directed at another, it is actually has only itself in mind. Eros love says this, I love you because you make me happy. 
in Eros, if the characteristic that you loved about the person would cease to exist, then the love would be gone. And you would hear a statement like this, I don't love you anymore. It was never the right kind of love. It was always just a romantic love. The foundation of this love is some characteristic which pleases you. And Eros is only in it for what it can receive. It never, ever gives. And if it ever does give, it only gives in order to receive back. And when it doesn't receive back, bitterness and resentment can develop. That's why you can't get married when you are in Eros love. Because the minute the other person ceases to have the characteristic that you loved about them, eros about them, you will hear yourself saying things, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. Because it was always an eros love. It is totally conditional on the other person meeting your needs. Not you meeting theirs, but them meeting yours. Eros was the most common Greek word for love. A selfish, self-serving, self-centered obsession with someone who could please you. And this is so antithesis to God that the word is found nowhere in the New Testament. You say, should there be eros love in marriage? Of course there should be, but it shouldn't be the only love in marriage. Secondly, we do find this word in the Bible, and that is the word phileo. It speaks of fondness or liking or friendship. It's the word love that's translated in your, in your Bibles. It's translated love oftentimes, but it's a love that responds to kindness or appreciation or being loved itself. It involves giving and receiving. But the thing about phileo is it can collapse in a time of crisis. It is a higher love than eros because it is about our happiness instead of just my happiness, but it never really gets to the level that you want it to get. And so phileo, when you hear the word phileo, it always means a friendship kind of love. That's where we get the, our, our Philadelphia from. It is the city of brotherly love or the city of friendship love. And we see it used in the Bible. Here's one, Titus 3.15. All those who are with me send you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Greet our friends in the faith is what Paul was saying. It's better than eros, but it's not as strong a word as what God is using in, in 1 John 4. And then we find the word, and I don't, I don't know if I ever pronounced this right or not, storge, storge. It is a natural flexion or natural obligation. It, it is the natural movement of the soul for the husband, wife, child, or even your family dog. It is family love. It is the quiet abiding feeling within a man that rests on something close to him and he feels good about. You never find this word interesting by itself in the Greek New Testament. We find it in two places where the, where the article A is in front of it. And when you find that in the Greek, the, the article A, the letter A, cancels out the word and it, it negates the word. 
So we find at least two places in the Greek where the word a storge is used. So it's A-S-T-O-R-G-E. And what that means is it cancels out the love. And so it, it literally means without family love, or here's how the King James translates it and several translations do, without natural affection. We find that in Romans chapter one and we find it in 2 Timothy chapter three. And in some translations translate it this way, without motherly love, without the love of a mother. Romans chapter 12, verse 10, it's translated in a compound word with philos. So it's, it means family and, and uh, friendship love. And he says, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. That's the way Paul translated those two words together. Yet when we find all of that, none of those seem strong enough for the saying, God is love. So what is the word that is used for there? And you've heard this word if you've been in church very long, and is the word, Greek word agapeo. Agape, you've heard it said sometimes, agapeo. Agapeo has the idea of prizing the object you love. It is a love of the will. It was the noblest word in the Greek language for the word love. There was no word above it. Agapeo is not kindled by your merit or by your worth of the object, but it originates in your own nature. In God's case, it originates in the nature of God. And agapeo delights in giving to someone else. Now hear me, look this way. Because I want you to hear this. I'm going to talk about it some more in the sermon. It keeps on loving even when someone is unresponsible, unresponsive, unkind, unlovable, or unworthy. Agapeo keeps on loving when someone is unresponsive, unkind, unlovable, unworthy. Unresponsive, they don't love me back. Unkind, they're mean to me while I'm trying to love them unlovable, you've met that kind of person, or unworthy, not worthy of your love. Agapeo has an all-consuming passion for the well-being of the other person. There's an interesting thing about the word agapeo. It's almost never found in secular writings out in the Greek world. The Greeks almost never used this word. Do you know why? They had no example of the word. Yet, when you go to the New Testament, the word in the New Testament is used around 320 times in the New Testament alone. Why? Because suddenly, when we get to the New Testament, we have an example of agopeo love. There is someone who loves us even when we're unresponsive, unkind, unlovable, and unworthy. Who is that? It is God himself that God loves us no matter what. His love for us was not a, was not a, a warm, fleeting, fuzzy feeling on the inside. It was a sacrificial love of the will even when you, you, we're unresponsive, unkind, unlovable, and unworthy. You say, preacher, that's a rough thing to say about me. I, I didn't say it about you. God said it about you. Romans 5, 80 said, but God proves his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners. You know what Paul was saying there? While you were unresponsive, while you were unkind to God, while you were unloving to God, while you were unworthy of the love of God, Christ died for you. And when the Bible says God is love, 
The Bible is saying God loves you no matter what. God's love for you is not dependent on what you have done or what you will do in the future. We, we, we can't even illustrate that love. Close as I can get is there is a moment, if, you've, if you're a parent or you're a grandparent, right? Because we're cooler than parents. So if, you're, if, you're, if you're a parent, you get it. The moment... A child is born into the world. I mean, like that moment, right? Like that moment when, you, when, when the child is birthed into the world. You don't say things like, well, if he has blonde hair, I'm going to love him. If she has curly hair, I'm going to love her. You don't say things like, now, I'm going to love this kid as long as he doesn't cry. You don't say stuff like that. Why? The love in your heart is I'm going to love this kid no matter what. Now, when they're 15, you'd trade them for a bag of peanuts when they're 15 years old. But right at that moment, right at that moment, you don't say, well, if they're at least seven pounds and 21 inches long, I love this kid. You don't say, as long as he's not a Tennessee fan, I no. well, actually, that's okay. That, you can say that. You can say that. You can say that. That makes sense. No, no, listen. That baby's born. You, you, you love them no matter what. You say, preacher, that's always true for my kids. Oh, come on now. If you could trade them when they're about 16 years old, nobody would ever know and they never remember you, about half of you would trade your kids in. I know you would. But boy, when they're born... No matter what happens or what they do or what comes. And that's exactly the love God has for you, but magnified beyond that. Listen to me carefully. No matter what's in your past, God loves you. No matter what you have done, God loves you. No matter what mistakes you have made, God loves you. Listen, no matter what habits you cannot break, God loves you. No matter the trail of trouble you have behind you, God loves you. No matter the amount of brokenness you have in your life, God still loves you and it will never change. You say, wait a minute, preacher. Does that mean I do anything I want to do? No, that doesn't mean that. God's approval and God's love are not the same thing. God loves you no matter what, but he loves you enough to conform you into the image of his dear son. Like he's still working on me. That's Bible, man. God loves you so much. He's going to keep working on you until you look more and more like Jesus. God's approval and God's love are not the same thing. God's approval may not always be on your life, but God's love always will. And the father's gift at Christmas is that he loves you, he loves us, no matter what. And there's some of you here today, uh, you've been wanting to get saved, you've been wanting to give your life to Christ, you've been wanting to become a Christian, and the devil keeps telling you, yeah, but think about all that you've done. Yeah, but think about all you're involved in right now. Think about all this stuff. Here's what you need to do. You need to get your life cleaned up, and then God will love you, and then you can become a Christian. You know what the devil knows? That you can't clean up your life without the help of God in your life. So it's a never-ending loop that you can't get out of. If you're waiting to clean your life up to come to God, you can't get your life clean without God and it'll never happen. No, God loves you no matter what and he died for you just as you are. Second thing we learn about the love of God is this. 
He didn't just say it, he showed it. Verse number nine, he says this, but God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. God didn't just say it, he showed it. The word revealed there means that he put on display. That God put on his love, put on display to the world his love. How did you do that, God? He sent his one and only son. It's a great Greek word, monogenia. It means the unique one, the, the unlike any other one, that God put on display his love by sending the only one, the only begotten son, the only unique one. God sent him to the world. And the word sent there is a better word than you think it is. That particular word in the Greek, sent, means to go with a mission. That God sent his unique son into the world with a mission. What was the mission God was sending him to do? God was sending him with the mission of proving his love for the world. God just didn't sit in heaven and say, hey, us up here, love y'all down there. You're going to go to hell, but we love y'all. Just want you to know. Because saying I love you is cheap. If you haven't figured that out right now, the words are cheap. We live in a culture that has no problem saying I love you. We just don't mean it. As a matter of fact, we live in such an untruthful culture. We live in such a lying culture. Even when someone says they love you, we, we, we can't, we don't even believe that. I'll prove it, I'll prove it to you. Did you know that by the age of four, 90% of children have learned how to lie? You say, not my little angel. Yeah. He's half psychopath. You just don't know it. He's, he's <laughs> learned how to lie already. Some of them got it down at two, but some of them four, you know, it's 90% have learned the lie. Did you know it's estimated that 60% of adults cannot have a 10 minute conversation without lying at least once? That within those 10 minutes, an average of three lies are told in 10 minutes. Who gets lied to the most? Who do you think gets lied to the most in the world? Shout it out. Tell me somebody. Thank you. Parents. You know it because you did it, right? That's, that's true. That's, that's. I'm at the library. No, number two, uh, friends. Number three, siblings. Punch them, number four, those spouses. Where are the most lies seen? What do you think the most lies in print are in the world? I'll give you number two. It says number one, but it's really number two. 40% of resumes contain lies. But get this. This is worse. 90% of dating sites. <laughs> he ain't 6'3". Anyway, I, I get myself in trouble there. If I try to do a comedy routine, I get myself in trouble. <laughs> Lying is considered more common among phone calls than face-to-face. So if they tell you they lie over the phone, don't believe it. If they tell you, no, tell, believe that. If they tell you they love you over the phone, don't believe it. One line every seven is discovered. A tenth of lies are just exaggerations, but 60% were outright deceptions. This next one blows my mind. 70% of liars claim they would tell the lies again. So getting called doesn't help them any. And then the average American tells 11 lies a week. That's why when somebody says, I love you, we can't 
We can't believe that. That's why God didn't just say, I love you. Because he knew the world we were going to live in. That when someone says, I love you, they have to prove it because we can't believe what they say. And God knew he couldn't just tell us. He had to show us. And God did. He didn't just say it. He showed us and he gave us a gift. His son, his life. So we could live. God loves you. This I know. He sent his son to prove it so. If you're here today and you're lost without Christ, how in the world could you reject the kind of love that not only says he loves you, but shows he loves you? How could you say no to a loving God who gave his life? And by the way, he would have died only for you if you were the only one who needed it. How do you say no? If you're here today and you're a Christian, you've received the love of God. How in the world do you receive that love and then ignore that love and go on with your life as if it doesn't matter? He didn't say he loved you. He showed you he loved you. Because of that, number three, the third thing I want you to know about the love of God is it's supposed to be given forward, gifted forward. Here's what he says in verse 11. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. Here's the thing about this gift of love. It was always meant to be given forward. God places a moral obligation upon all believers to maintain a pattern of love for one another. We are not just to receive it, the love of God, and bask in it. We are supposed to take that same, get this, agopeo love and gift it forward. That what has been given to us is given to others. God puts it in me, I pass it on. God shows it to me, I show it forward. God gives it to me, I give it forward. My responsibility is to gift it forward. What does that mean? Hey, just close your Bibles. I want to preach for a minute or two. I want you to pay attention to me. Close your Bibles, listen to me. Since God has given us the gift of love, we have to pass it on. What does that mean? Hey, hang with me, look this way. We received the gift of love. And our moral obligation is to go to that place where we work and that person you work with who's just an old grouch, who's just a terrible person that you don't like, nobody else likes. Hey, can I say this? Who is unresponsive, unkind, unlovable, and unworthy. You say, what am I supposed to do with them, preacher? You are to pass on the love of God that God has showed you because there was a time in your life and still is when you were unkind unresponsive, unlovable, and unworthy. Say, well, preacher, you don't know how mean a person this is. No better person to show the love of Christ God to. It's easy to love somebody that loves you back. I don't have any problem loving Sherry. She loves me back. It's the people that don't love us back, that God has poured into us his love. So we pour into others, hold on. I hope you never get sideways with a church member. I don't know of any church members who are sideways with anybody, but here's what we love to say in church. Well, preacher, I didn't start it. It doesn't matter. When you are sideways with somebody in the church, which is specifically what this passage is talking about, God says this, 
I poured into you that agapeo love. Now you, you go show it to somebody else, but God, you don't know. They're just mean. They treated me poorly. They did ugly things to me. Right. They were probably unworthy, unlovable, unkind, unresponsive. Does that sound like them? Yeah, that's exactly what you were. How about that husband and that wife? I never do marriage counseling with couples who are showing agape love to one another. Never. No, most people sit down and say, they, they talk about conditional love. If she would do this, then I would do this. If he would do this, then I would do this. God never said that. God never said that. God said, I love you no matter what. And so here is what he said. I have poured into you the gift of that agape love. Now you pour it in to somebody else. Preacher, come on. You know how you know the love of God is flowing through you? is when you're loving people you don't even really like. But it is a love of the will that is consumed, get this, consumed with the well-being of the other. Consumed, not with, not with our, my needs being met, not with my own well-being, but it's consumed with the well-being of the other in God's case, so much so, he was willing to give his life for it. He was so concerned for your well-being. God said, I poured it into you, and you poured on. It's, it's the holidays, it's Thanksgiving, it's Christmas. You're going to go to party after party. You'll, you'll probably have some parties with your family. We, we do every year. We, we host at our house. And you, know what, you know what happens at, at Thanksgiving and Christmas time? It happens everywhere you go, no matter where you go. Somebody, somebody, now there's some of you that, you know, you'll have spaghetti at Thanksgiving, I get it. But now for most people, it's not true. You know what you do? You'll, you'll, you'll make a dressing recipe and you'll say, you'll hear things like this. This was my, this is my grandmother's recipe. Or you'll say, this recipe has been passed down for generations. You know what? You won't even, you won't even give that recipe except to one group of people and that's your own family members. You know why? Because you want to pass it on to somebody else. One day your grandkids will be saying, this is my grandmother's recipe. I don't know where she got it, but she, she, she cooked this all the time and now I've got this recipe. If the neighbor, neighbor asks for it, you're not giving it out. Why? Because you're just, you're passing on. And we'll pass on turkey and dressing. But we're not real good about passing on the love of God to others. Stand with me and I'm, I'm going to close. There was a National Public Radio aired a segment about dying well. And they brought in a marketing expert named Lux Narion. Lux Narion. He owned a marketing firm. And he had done a project on his own in 2015 and 16. He and his team had analyzed 2,000 New York Times obituaries. And they were looking for commonality about dying well in those obituaries unpaid obituaries, not the paid kind, the unpaid kind. They were looking for commonalities about dying well, and they were shocked. He said, we didn't think we'd really learn anything. We didn't think an obituary would tell us. He said, but there was one word 
that we kept seeing over and over multiple times in obituaries and in so many obituaries and the word we kept seeing over and over again was the word help, help. The people were known by the people they helped. And when, when I read that, I, I thought, I, I, so I, I get it. That's a little bit of a God principle there. But how much better for us as children of God if the word would have been love? Maybe for the world, help is okay. But for the world, we're supposed to gift it forward. Maybe our word needs to be love. When you live and when you die, and your obituary is written about you, who and how did you love those God has placed in your past? See, God loves you no matter what. He didn't just say it, he showed it. And I want you to gift it forward. That's part of the Christmas story. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your savior, that is the most important place. Do not reject. If, if somebody gave you a gift at Christmas time before you ever opened it, you said, I don't want it. You, you wouldn't even do that. You know how rude that is. So don't sit here in a service today and God giving he, him, you his love and say, I don't want it. You say, preacher, you don't know. I don't, but God does and he loves you no matter what. So trust him today. I'm gonna ask our pastors to come forward. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, just walk down the aisle, take one of these guys by the hand and say, I, I wanna know, I wanna receive the love of God. I wanna become a Christian. There's, you maybe need to join the church, maybe you need to be baptized. Just come tell one of those guys that. Maybe, just maybe. As a matter of fact, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Maybe, just maybe. Maybe, just maybe. There's some people in your life that you're finding hard to love. God's poured it in you. And he wants you to give, preacher, you, if you only knew how bad, I know, I know. I do know, I, I'm telling you, I know it's bad. I'm not, even, I'm not even discounting it. I know it's bad. But does it compare to how we treat God and how we treated God? And this morning, maybe you need to come pray and say, God, you have poured into me that agapeo love. Help me to gift it forward. Lord, there's some people in my life I need to love. I'm having a hard time loving. Lord, fill me with your love and let me be known as somebody who loves. And this morning, you just need to come pray. God, God, help me. Help me love. If you need to be saved, join our church, baptized, come tell a pastor that. If you just need to come pray, the altars are open. You come. Father, draw us with your spirit as you've spoken to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. For more information about Peavine or to get in touch with us, please visit our website, peavine.org. Thanks for listening.